Hashem Sal for learning Saita Daf Tezvav. We left off on Daf Yudalid Ahmed Bey's five lines from the bottom. We had previously learned the Toisefta that was quoted more towards the top of Daf Yudalid Ahmed Bey's, describing the procedure of bringing a carbon mincha. And we are continuing to quote from the Braisa that the Koimets Mimakim Shenesrabo Shamna. That on one hand, the Levaina as we finished learning yesterday, is not allowed to be part of this scoopful of the kmitzah. But the oil that was put together with the flour, not only was that part of the kmitzah, but the koyin should make a point of taking that scoopful from a place where there is a lot of oil. Minolan, how do we know that the oil is included in the kmitzah? So says the Gemara, because it says, misalta umishamna. Salta means fine wheat flour, and oil, or in the very rare occasions where you had girsa, actually there was only one scenario where you brought girsa. Girsa means barley, but it means fine barley flour. And as we learned in the Mishnah, that the only carbon that came from fine barley flour was the carbon oimer. And there also the Torah says, umishamna, clearly that the shaman is part of the kemitza. Then the Braise continues, that he puts it into a second holy receptacle, a holy kleishadis, and it adds to it more kedusha. And we already explained on top of the Amid that it doesn't mean that the Kain needs to have kavana to be mekadashit. But it's just a fact that when you put it in the kleishadis, it acquires more kedusha. And here we have a question. And the question is, being that the entire flower offering was already put in the first klishadis and it already became sanctified, why does it need to become sanctified again? It's already sanctified. So yeah, practically, the b'raise can say, you put it in another utensil. Because the shirayim stayed behind. The shirayim are eaten by the kahanim. But only the kemitzah that is going to be offered on the fire should be brought up to Mizbeach. Fine. So it's technically you put it in another uh, receptacle. But why does the B'raisa have to say that you're Mekadosh it again? So it explains the Gemara that that's indeed what the B'raisa is trying to say. And adam, and this is similar to the blood. Dom, when it comes to the blood of the animal, afogav sakin Even though that when the knife was used to slaughter the animal, which is the first of the four steps of the Aveda, Shita, Kabbalah, Hoilacha, and Hava Uzrika. So there's the shechita, the receiving of the blood, the taking it to the altar and the putting it on the mizbeach, and the, the knife, which is a klisharis, already sanctified the blood. Nevertheless, hadr magdish lebe klisharis, it's kabbalah. It goes into another holy utensil and it becomes even more holy. So yeah, so just like there isn't just surmerav aseitayv, but in kedusha itself there are many levels, and we have to go mechayel alchayel. So hachinami, yeah, it was holy. And as we get closer to the act of the Haktara, it gets even holier. Now, many of the commentators point out something very interesting that we did learn, again, on the top of the Fyudalod Amid Beis, that even Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, that holds that one is allowed to make a Klishadis from wood, but everyone agrees that it has to be something significant. Because if not, can you offer this to your governor? Now, so it has to be either gold or silver or maybe, according to some Tanoim, wood, 
but it has to be made out of something that's chashiv. The halacha by shechita is, even though today the knives that we use are made out of metal, but anything is kosher to shecht an animal. And even, Balash and Chazal, the kruma shalkana, even a thin reed. Now, a thin reed is not something important. So now that the Gemara is telling us that the knife of Shechita is considered the Klishadis and it's Mekadesh, whatever it gets in touch with, well, how can it be a Klishadis when it's not something substantial? So the, the, the point is, that's Takawai, the blood doesn't become fully sanctified. As far as the knife of Shechita is concerned, a reed is good enough, but it's not something Chashev. So therefore, sure, the receptacle isn't only the Kabbalah just to receive it technically, but the clay shuttis of the Kabbalah for sure adds to it more Kedusha because this is the first proper Kali. So the bottom line is, is that there are steps in Kedusha. And just like it is by Shechita, the same thing it is by the carbon Mincha. Because by Mincha, the Mincha has to be like the Shechita. By a Mincha, we also had the same four steps, which were the Kemitza, which is in the place of the Shechita. Then you have putting it in the second clay which is the whole point that we're discussing over here, that adds to it more Kedusha. Then there is the Hagasha, which is that we have to bring it and actually touch it to the corner of the Mizbeach. And then you have the Haktara, which is in the place of Zirika. Continues the Gemara according to Tisefta, even though the Levina was not part of the scoopful. But after you had the Kemitza in the second Klishadis, just to make, rectify what I said yesterday, you take all of the incense, all of the frankincense, all of the levaina, and you put it on top of the kemitza, because it says, the ace kol halavaina, asher ala mincha, that all of the levaina that was with the mincha has to be offered up to Hashem. So going back to yesterday, someone asked regarding the dimensions of the, of the Azara. So this is a clear Mishnayis and Midas. So the Makayim of the Har Habayis was 500 Amma on 500 Amma. The reason Machlik is Tanoim as to whether the area of the temple was placed in its center or not. It was not. It was a little bit off center. The place of the Azara is 187 Ammas from the east-west direction. And from the north-south, which was the question that Shlema asked, it's 135 Amas. That's why everything makes sense, because the Mizbech, we said, takes up 32 Amas. And the ram takes up 32 Amas, and there also the Zemachlech is Rishonim. According to the Rambam, only if you measured the ramp area that the coin walked on top, that took up 20, 32 Amas, like we said. But the straight line on the ground, according to the Rambam, only took up 30 Amas. According to Rashi, no, like we said, that the, the ramp on the ground took up 32 amas, and when it went up, because of the incline, you need more space, it took up 32 point some amas. And we just also spoke out that there is a Tana that holds that the entire Mizbeach was towards the south. So there was a lot of space there, because you had the whole 32 amas of the Mizbeach, plus you had the 32 amas of the ramp, plus you needed more space to the south of the ramp. And this was only in the southern half. Because the Mishnah says that north-south was 132 amas wide. Back in the Gemara, in the bottom of Daf Yudalad Amid Dalad, And the Kayin walks up and he offers it in the Chleshares. So let's read the Gemara first the way we have it written. Asks the Gemara, Bechleshares, Makdilei. Do you put the Klishadis itself in the fire? 
explain, you bring it up in the second holy utensil, but actually once you get there, you pour it out from the second utensil and you pour it on top of the fire. Rashi is troubled with the question, what was the Havamina? Why was the Gemara understanding that the, that the Braise is implying that you throw the Klishadis itself in the fire? I mean, the answer is so obvious, what's the Havamina? So Rashi really explains that the question of the Gemara is, how can the Braise say that you bring it up and you throw it in the fire when we skipped a step? What step was skipped? Everything that is offered on the Mizbech, as we'll see in a moment, has to be salted with salt. So why didn't the Braise mention the salt? To which the Gemara answers, that's exactly what it means. You bring it up in order to put it in the fire. But the Braise is not yet mentioning the actual putting it in the fire, because before that, we keep on reading, first you have to salt it, and only then, you put it in the fires, as it says, that all of our korbanis, and specifically here we're speaking about the korban mincha, bamelach timlach should be salted with salt v'goymer. Continues the toisefta. Korav ha'koymetz, after the koymetz was offered to Hashem, then she oreo, all of the leftovers are eaten by the kahanim. By the way, we learn in Masech Menachis that there was an exception to that. That the korbanos menachis brought by the kahanim are fully burnt in the fire, and there is no shirayim to their karbanis. But here, we're speaking about the general rules of karbanis of a mincha, is that there is leftovers that are eaten by the kahanim. Minolan, how do we know that they eat it? Or how do we know that they can eat it after the kahanim is brought? Because it says, that after the kahanim offers its memorial portion <coughs> referring to the koimets. So then it says, that that which stayed over, the leftover flour oil is eaten, is given, now, when the Tisefta says that first the kemitza have to has to be offered, what's the definition of offering? In other words, how much of it needs to be burnt before the Kahanim can eat the Shadayim. So says the Gemara, Lamar Ulamar that this is a Machlekes Amairayim. The Itmar we learned in Mesachtim Menachais Hakoimets, Me'emusai Matir Shirayim Bachila, from when can the Kahanim eat it? Rab Chanina says, Mishetishloid Boy Ho'ur, only when fire catches on a little bit of it. So as long as some of it began to burn, it's considered already offered. However, Rabbi Yechanan says, no, that you have to have the majority of it, most of it needs to be burnt. No, it's really, the carbon is a carbon when it's burnt. The question is, how do you, how do you view something that's start, starting to burn? So Rabbi Hanina says, once you start it to burn, it's already considered as if you're fully burning. And therefore, the Kahanim can eat the Shirayim. On all of us. As long as the neshama is a little bit on fire, sooner or later, will be good. And the Tesefta added that Kahanim are allowed to add into their Shirayim wine and additional oil and honey. What's the reason? They have to eat the, the carbon. So whatever is the carbon... That should be eaten. The moment you add, you know, when you add condiments, here in Kaminic America, you can add so much ketchup that you don't taste the meat. Like, who says you can do that? You're not eating the, 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 the mincha. So, Amar Kra, so says the Gemara, since it says, in Parshas Koirach, 
right? After the rebellion of Kairach, there the Torah describes all of the Chav Dalet, Matnas, Kuhuna. And there the Torah writes, Va'ani hinini nasati l'cha, es mishmeres turimoyse, etc., etc. And then the Torah says the words, Lemashcha. The word Lemashcha means for distinction. Ligdula, meaning that you should eat it, Kederach shahamalachim oichlem. That Kahanam have to eat it as kings. And kings, when they eat foods, they eat it with condiments. They eat it with uh, side spices. There are those who hold that they should first eat a kazayas as it is and only then add it. Or other holds that know that whatever they eat, they can eat it any way they want. They have to eat it the way a king eats. Now, from here is the source, amongst other places, regarding a question that we spoke out in Yuma. Bechlal, how did the kahanim sit and eat if... If they sat and ate, when there's a rule that in the Azara, no one is allowed to sit other than the kings that come from the house of uh, Yehuda. No one else is allowed to sit. Now, if without the Lamashcha, who said they sat, but now that we're saying that they have to eat it in a distinct form, the way kings eat, if you have to eat it uh, royally, you, uh, royalty don't eat standing. So many people hold that the reason why indeed they are allowed to sit that's the sheet of Torah, is because the Torah said that the gifts are given to them, limashcha. so part of limashcha doesn't only mean add oil, or add wine, or add any condiment that you enjoy eating it with, add pepper if you want, it also means you're allowed to eat it sitting down. Okay, a lot more on the subject, Emir Tzashem later when we get to this topic. Ve'ein asurim ela milchametz. Dechsiv, however, even though, like we said in Masechtos Pesachim, the Gemara says that certain liquids, they make the process of something becoming chametz speed up. And these liquids will make the flour become chametz even quicker if you don't stop moving it. So you'll have to add it, but make sure it doesn't turn into chametz. And how do we know that? Because it says, Lo that even their portion, as we explained, that's eaten limashcha, make sure it doesn't become chametz. Amar Rab Shimon Belakish, Afilo Chalkam Lesiyafer Chametz. Call Hamanachais, we learned in the Mishnah. The Mishnah started to contrast how the Minchasait is different from all the other Menachas, and that's Yudalit. And when we learned the Mishnah yesterday, we spoke out the question the Gemara is going to ask that how can the Mishnah say, Vachol Hamanachis to Unisham and Lavaina, that all of the flower offerings come along with oil and with Lavaina? Aside of the Saita, it's not true, asks the Gemara Vehoika Minchas Chaita, all of the Menachis that are brought to atone for a sin, that Achmana Amar Hashem says regarding any Minchas Chaita, Loyasim Oleo Shemen, Viloyitan Oleo Lavaina. None of them had Shemen or and Levaina, answers the Gemara Hachi Kamar, the Mishnah didn't mean to say it the way we read it. What the Mishnah meant to say was we're going down from the majority of cases where a Mincha comes with many rules and they always have to be, you know, higher quality flour and with Shemen and Levaina, etc. And then it begins to show you that there are a few exceptions, but the greatest exception will be the Saita. Hachi Kamar, Kol they need to have Shemen or Levaina, all of the Menachis have to come dafka from chitin, from wheat flour. All of the Menachis have to come not only from wheat flour, but they have to be soilless. They have to be fine flour. In other words, they're not allowed to be whole wheat, but they have to be sifted many times for, it, for us to take out any substance that's not pure flour. However, minchas chayta, not only of a saita, a mincha of a sinner, there's one 
rule less. Even though true, none of the mincha of a saita, of a, of a chaita, needs shaman olavayna, nevertheless, it still can only be brought from wheat flour, and and that itself has to be fined. Minchas oimer is one step down. Even though there it's not brought from wheat, it's brought from barley, nevertheless, to una, shemen ulevayna, still, it needs shemen ulevayna. And uba'ageres, like we had that word in the beginning of today, shirmigirsa, that even though it's going to be barley, it has to be fine barley flour, it has to be sifted. But vizu, barasaita, eina to una, na, shemen ulevayna. Not only that, it doesn't come from chitim, it comes from soidim. And not only that, by the site, the dafke, uba'a kemach, it's going to be coarse flour. Tanya Amar Rab Shimon. Bedinu shetehi minchas choyta tuuna shemen ulevayna. That logically one can argue, how can it be that any sinner who brings a mincha uh, for a chatos doesn't bring it with oil and levayna? Luchur, logic dictates that they should have to bring it with shemen and levayna. Why? Because there's a rule, we don't want that a sinner should profit. That person sinned, so their carbon is going to be cheaper. So the counter to that is, we don't want for their carbon to be beautified. In other words, yes, because the person sinned, we want them to lose. Now, if a person is living only in the physical world, how do you look at things? Is it more valuable? Is it less valuable? More valuable is better. So here you can argue, what? Well, let them pay more money. But the whole point of a carbon is that person is getting closer to Hashem. Once you look at the Ruchni Yizdika part of the carbon, Adarabah, because the person sinned, we don't want them to benefit to get a beautiful carbon. So they're losing by getting a less beautiful carbon. And it continues the the Rab Shimon, that Obedin Hu Chatos Chelev Nesachim. And again, chatas chelav, we had this many times, the example that we have throughout Chazal of a carbon chatas will be chatas chelav. In those days, unlike today, especially Ash Ashkenazim, we don't eat the back part of the animal. We don't even get close to the chelav. Chelav is the din that in domesticated animal types only, you know, in cattle and in sheep and in goats, only in those types, there are certain fats in the animal that are terribly prohibited. You know, the punishment for eating that is karis, b'mezid, and therefore, b'shoigig, you get, you have to bring a carbon chatos. If a person, God forbid, eats chazer, b'shoigig, they don't bring a carbon chatos. Because b'mezid, they would get malchus. The rule of a chatos is, you only have to bring a carbon chatos when you do something b'shoigig. Had you done that, b'mezid, there would have been a punishment of karis. Being that then, People had their own animals and they shechted it. And people needed to know how to make nikur. And that's something that if you don't know what you're doing, you, God forbid, will leave some chelev in the eatable parts of the animal. So it was relatively common that people accidentally ate chelev. So the typical example of a carbon chatos was chatos chelev. Now, the din is that karbanois in the midbar, a carbon was a carbon, but it came with nothing together with it. From when we entered Eretz Yisrael, Hashem added the mitzvah that aside of the karbanis, most of the karbanis have to come with nisachim. Nisachim means that you add to the animal itself flour, oil, and wine. So achatos doesn't come with nisachim. 
And here also, Rab Shimon says the same logic. That logic would have dictated that it should have to come with Nesachim. The owner has to bring the animal together with oil, together with flour, together with wine. Why should I yeh chay We don't want for someone who sins to benefit by having to spend less money. The same logic. We're not looking at the financial aspect of the animal. Fakert, a person sinned. Let them not benefit bringing a beautiful carbon. At least let their carbon be inferior to reflect the inferiority of the fact that the person sinned. Unlike other carbonis, like a oila, like a shlamim, that doesn't necessarily come from sin. They come because the person is donating a carbon. Aval, however, the Braised points out that don't think it's a hard and fast rule that none of the karbanis chatois come with nesachim. You should know that chatois ishal mitzayra va'ashamai, that both the chatois and the asham that a mitzayra brings, they are to unim nesachim. They come with the nesachim like you bring it by the oil and by the shlamim. Why? Says Rab Shimon, I, we don't want the chayt and niskar. Why should that person have a beautiful carbon? The answer is, is because that animal is not coming for a sin. So asks the Gemara, how can you say that a Metzayda, and therefore the karbanis of the Metzayda, is not connected to sin? Who knows why a person becomes a Metzayda? So we have the Moitzi, Shemra, the known, but really we're quoting here, Gemara in Eirechin, that it was said in the name of Rabbi Yenison, Al Shiva Devarim the Goyim Boim. That it, there are seven sins that can cause the person to develop this sort of leprosy. And that is Lashon Hara. Shvichas Damim. It's for speaking negatively, true or not true. It's, God forbid, for murder or things connected to murder. It's for taking an oath in vain. Then it is for acts of adultery, for arrogance, for theft, and for stinginess. And all of these attributes are sinful. So how can you say it doesn't come for a sin? Answers the Gemara Hassam. Over there, Yeah, the person sinned. And the person became a leper. But the shame, the pain, the humiliation of being a Metzayda, that already brought the Kapara. So the fact that after the person is healed from the Tzoraz, and now on top of that, Hashem is telling us to bring Karbanois, the carbon is not for the sin anymore. Is kimaisi carbon is only liishteruye barkachimu de kamaisi. A matsaira, even after he she becomes pure, they're not allowed to eat kachim yet. They are from the categories of people that are called michusir kipurim, which only means that you can only eat kachim after you bring the karbanis. So they are bringing the karbanis only to allow them from then on to go inside the, the machnashchina, from then on to be allowed to partake of other kachim. In other words, they are good. They're going from good to better. And that's why the chattas and the asham of the Metzayda comes with Nesachim. And the Gemara continues, going back to Rab Shimon. Elamiyata asks the Gemara, chattas nazir. You're telling me that any chattas that doesn't come for sin should come and comes with Nesachim. So why is it that the nazir's chattas, as we just learned extensively in Masechtas Nazir, that at the end of a proper term, you have to bring three korbanis, by the oila and a chatos and a shlamim. So they're also tehei, tohuna nesachim, that he should have to bring the chatos with nesachim because it doesn't come on a sin. And another does not bring nesachim with the chatos. Why not? Answers the Gemara, Savarlot, must be that Rab Shimon holds like the Tano Rabbi Elozer HaKapur. And Rabbi Elozer HaKapur says, the Omer Nazir Nama Choytuhu. A Nazir is a sinner because he's abstaining, period. And abstinence is sinful. And that's why he doesn't bring 
Nesachim. Just to point out that Alpi Hasidus, and there's a beautiful Maimarim beginning with the Alter Rebbe, that explains that why Taka was it that in the Midbar there wasn't Nesachim? Why was the mitzvah of bringing Nesachim with the Karbonis introduced only Kisavaya La'aretz? So the Alter Rebbe explains that every mitzvah or the mitzvahs in general have two, two parts. There is the part that's called Ratzui, a part that expresses our desire to go up, and then there is the part that shuv, that brings godliness into the world. The avoid of the Midbar, and that's why the spies wanted to stay in the desert, is that they only lived in the world of Ratzoi. They were trying to get closer and closer to Hashem. The whole idea of Kisavayu al Ha'aretz is going into the land. It's bringing Kedusha in the physical world. So the Al-Tareb explains that there are many mitzvahs that have two parts to it. One is the Ratzoi, one is the Shuv. By Karbana is the carbon, even physically. What happens to the animal? It gets burnt on the Ishim. Physically, it like goes up. Nesachim, the wine was poured down. So there's the Ratzoi is the carbon, and the Nesachim is the Shuv. So Fakir, the Nazir, so that's why he explains that before we entered Israel, we were not doing the Avoid of Shuv. We were in the Midbar. So that's why there were no Nesachim. So come back over here, it fits beautifully. The Nazir abstained, Abstinence is only to bring personal kedusha to the person, but he's not involved in the world. So his karbonis reflect that. It's a carbon that goes on the fire without the shuv, without the nesachim. Vaitir. Rab Gamliel, recording from the Mishnah, what did Rab Gamliel say? Explaining why the, did her carbon come from Saidim? So his words were, Kshem Shema Asel Masa Behema. She behaved like an animal. So the food, it should be from an animal type food, which is barley alpitoido. Wheat is for men, and barley, especially whole barley, is Michael Behema. So there's a little bit of a story behind the statement. Rab Gamliel turned to the sages and he called out to them, Soifrim. It's nice that in the Agadata that we just learned a few days ago, what was the hesped that was given for Moshe Rabbeinu Safra Rabba? So literally, Soifrim means scribes. Soifrim can mean people who are learned, or as we spoke out, Ulai, B'Shem HaBal that we are considered part of a Sefer Torah. So every Jew is a letter in the Sefer Torah. A, a Nasi, a Tzadik, is like the whole Sefer Torah. So he called the Chachamim there, living Sefer Torahs. Hanichuli, allow me the and I will explain the reason why the, the Chatos of a Saita is from Sa'idim. I'll explain it kemin chaymer, like a jewel. Look at the Rashi, it's interesting. Rashi says like a golden button. But the Apostle, read inside Rashi, two lines from the bottom. That's old French, right? Button belaz. I'll explain, it means a golden button means I'll explain it beautifully. Why did he feel the need to explain it beautifully? When something is, is said without any explanation, and Atana's explaining it, he doesn't say, I'll explain it beautifully. What happened was, someone else gave an explanation. And that explanation didn't fit. So on that other explanation, Abgamliel commented, I will explain it beautifully. So that's what the Gemara is saying in the of the days. That the Sham Rav Meir, the Kamar, Abgamliel heard from Rabbi Meir that why is it that she brings her carbon mincha from Sa'idim? Because since he madani since she fed her adulterer the delicacies of the world, so Lefikah, Karbana should be the opposite of what she did. Michael Bahama.
That was how Rav Meir explained it. And that explanation was not accepted by Rav Gamliel because he said, Hotinach, S is good, it's appropriate when this woman is wealthy. So there, if she fed, she made a meal for her naif, she made him madani oilam. But if she's poor, she couldn't afford to, to bring madani oilam. It's a lot deeper than it sounds. Just, but just, in other words, they're not speaking about food. They're speaking about the act itself. People shouldn't think that even, even when the animal sin is sinning, he's enjoying it that much. Not even the behema, even the yetzerhara sometimes doesn't find it madani oilam. And ironically, still sometimes, God forbid, people sin. So you can't even, on, on no level can you give a cross-the-board statement that she fed a madani oilam. Elo. So on that, Rabbi Gamaliel said, And by the way, that goes even if she did not commit adultery. The fact that she had stira yichud with someone after she was warned, that in itself is wrong. So karbana, me the connected me, though, should be Maisa, Maisa Behema. So the Karbana should be Michael Behema. Now, by the way, to point out something that we learned already in Ksubis, Rab Gamliel Hazakin, right, was way before Rab Meir. Even his grandson, Rab Gamliel from Yavne, was also before Rabbi Meir. So when the Gemara says that Rab Gamliel commented to something that he heard from Rab Meir, so we learned at the end of Masechta Ksubis that Rebbe had two children. Right, Ashkafta the Rebbe. And what did Rebbe say? That Afal Pisha Shimon Bini Chacham Gamliel Bini Nasi. Now, Rebbe's son either knew Rab Meir, who was the Rebbe of Rebbe, or he heard it Bishem Rabbi Meir. And that must be the, the Rab Gamliel over here. Write it in the mission. That would be awesome because then he's quoted in the Mishnayas. It's a big Chiddush. You understand that? Now, if, that's, if it's Rab Gamliel, Rebbe's son, who, wrote, who put together the Mishnah? Rebbe. Okay, so so he quoted the son. Tana, right. Says the Mishnah. Continuing with the process of the Saitam. That Hoya, maybe, they used to bring. Now he have a word that's read Piole Shalcheres. Piole Shalcheres is a Greek word. It means a earthenware vessel. Our Mishnah does not say that it has to be brand new. That will be the whole beginning of the Gemara. The Mishnah just says it has to be a very simple earthenware vessel. And v'noisen l'toich, and you put in it chatsi loig, a half a loig ma'im and hakir. Why is it a half a loig? Interestingly, it's a good word, that what did we learn also in Nazir? That Allah that a human being can live off one revi'is of dam. If she committed adultery, these waters won't only kill her, it's also going to kill her adulterer, the naif. So that's the half a leg. Two reviasin are going to be knocked out through this water if she sinned. However, Rabbi Yehuda says that you didn't fill it up with a half a leg. You fill it up with half of that. What's half of a half a leg? A quarter of a leg revias. Why? A very common sense reason. Says the, says the Mishnah. We're going to learn that Yud Zayin and Mishnah Tanoim, three-way Machloikis, as to how many words of the portion of Saita was written on the Megillah that are subsequently erased in the water. So Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that the least amount of words were written. So there were less words to be erased. 
So why do you need a lot of water? Because if there's a lot of letters that have to be erased when you put the Megillah in the cup, you need to have more water. So Rabbi Yehuda is consistent. There were less words of the Torah written, and he also holds that less water was needed. Now, Nichnas Lahechel, the Kayan, entered the Hechel, Ufanali Yemina, and he turned to his right, and says the Mishnah, Makam Hayasham, and there was a place over there on the floor that was the size of Amma al Amma, very much like the tiles over here. Mama, this is an Amma, it's a foot and a half and a foot and a half. And the Tavla Shal Shayish, and that Amma was made out of a slab of marble. Now, really, the entire flooring of the entire Beisamikdash area was made with, with marble tiles. However, those tiles were affixed on the ground. However, over here, there was a ring affixed to this tile. And when you lifted the ring, you were able to lift the whole tile. So there was one place that you were able to lift the tile. And that you accessed, not a tunnel, the dirt, the ground under the tile. And you take some of the earth that is laying on the karka of the Beis HaMikdash, and v'noisen, and you put some of that earth inside this cup of water, for the earth to be seen on the water, as Rashi says in the Mishnah, that it sins, it says, let's read the Mishnah inside, says El Hamoim says Rashi, it doesn't say Venosan Bamaim. Put it in the water. It says put it on the water. So it has to remain floating on top of the water. In other words, it can be such a small amount that it gets swallowed in the water. You don't even notice that there's earth on it. Even then, it's not that much. You just have to have enough offer that you should see it on top of the water. Now, our Mishnah again only mentioned the need of using a piyole shalcheres. But the Mishnah did not speak about it being brand new. However, quotes the Gemara, uh, another Tana, that we learned that piyole shalcheres chadosha, that Rabbi Shmuel has another requirement, that it has to be brand new. We have sometimes in Mishnah is words that are Greek, like the word piyole. And the reason is perhaps because when Hashem when we have in the title the story with Noyach, and he told his son Yefes, who also was respectful to Noyach during that moment, that Yaft Elikim Yefes be all a shame, that Yefes is going to live in the tents of shame. That means that some of their words made it into the holy Tatum. Piyoli. So right, my time that Rabbi Shmuel, where does he take the Chadasha? Initiates the Gemara first answer. Gomar Kli Kli Mimitzayda. He has a Gzeda Shava comparing the Saita to a Mitzayda. And we will have in the following Sugya many comparisons. Malahalon, just like when it comes to a Saita, to a Mitzayda. And what did we learn by a Mitzayda? That after the signs of leprosy was cleared from the body. And the Kayan tells the person, okay, you are cleared from the Simanei Tzara'as. He doesn't automatically become pure. The Mitzayda, he and she or she, they have to undergo a seven-day procedure. And we learned this together in a lot of Nazar. On the first day of that seven days, they have to shave all of the hair of their body. And then they take two birds and they take eight edes, cedar wood, and they take a piece of uh, wool that was dyed in a certain red dye, whether it comes from blood of a worm, let's just call it the shni toilaas, and they take a certain grass called the azoif, so they had four items, two living birds, 
eight eras, Shnisoy Las and the Azoiv, and the Koyin took Mayim, Chaim, spring water, and he put it in a Klecheres, and he shechted one bird, and the blood had to go into that water in the Klecheres. And then he took the living bird, the eights eras, the Shnitolas, and the Azoiv, and he dipped it into that water blood, and he sprinkled it on the Metzayim. That's the first day. Then the Metzayim counts including that day, seven days. On the seventh day, again, all of the hair of the Metzayim is shaved. Remember that? Goes to the mikvah, head of Shemesh, and the next day he brings the three karbonis, and then he's completely pure. So over there, the first day of the seven days, when you put Mayim Chaim, right? So it says, what's the Pasik? So, Malan Cheres Chadosha, that the earthen utensil has to be brand new. How do we know that? We'll see in a moment. Afkan, the Torah uses the words Kli Cheres. The Torah here by Soiti uses the words Kli Chodes. So we compare Kli Cheres, Kli Cheres to each other, just like by the Mitzvah it has to be brand new. Here also it has to be brand new. Right there, Rashi quotes the Pasuk. It says, V'shachat esatzipar ho'echos el Kli Cheres. That's by Mitzvah. And here by the Soiti, we keep on quoting the Pasuk. V'lakach ha'koyin ma'im kedoshim b'chli Cheres. Asks the Gemara, one second, so, how do you know that by Yimitzayda the utensil has to be new? Because since it says, just like the definition of living water, it firstly means spring water, excluding rainwater, but it doesn't only mean spring water. Mayim Chaim can only be called Mayim Chaim when that water was in a pristine state, in a natural state. Also meaning it was never used for anything. So the waters have to be fresh. So we have Kli Cheres Al Mayim Chaim. Af Kli asks the Gemara, if you have a Gzedah Shava, why don't we say that just like by the Metzayda, you can only use Mayim Chayim, maybe a Soita's waters can only be Mayim Chayim. Right? There's a concept called Ein Gzayda Shava Lemechza. So the Gemara says, yes, perfect. Who makes the Gzayda Shava? Not Artana. Artana never said a new clay, a new piole. Only Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel holds that a taka has to be Mayim Chayim. Rabbi Yishmol Achinami. Dom Rabbi Yechanan. Mekiyoyr. Rabbi Yechanan holds that from where did the waters of the basin that was used by the Kahanim to wash their hands and their feet before the Avoid, where did those waters come from? So Rabbi Yechanan says that Rabbi Shmuel holds May Mayan. It can only come from natural spring waters, which is called Mayim Chaim. Now, the waters of the Saita came from the Kiyar. The Kiyar, according to Rabbi Shmuel, can only come from Mayim Chaim. So, it's like a Mayim Chaim. Now, by the way, the Chachamim hold that the waters in the Kiyar can come from Mishar Meimah Yisheim. They can also come from other waters. But Rabbi Shmuel works. Asks the Gemara, no, not so quick. Why don't I ask if you're making a Gzayda Shava? And again, there's a rule, Ein Gzayda Shava Lamechza. Why don't we say, Ma'ala Metzayda, Shekain Ton, Eitz Erez, Ve'ezoiv, Ushni Toilas. You have to have other ingredients. So why, don't, why would we not hold that we need those ingredients also by the soita? Interestingly, the Gemara doesn't ask on the birds. Because since those birds were not used in 
and avoid of the of the mizbeach, you can bring chulon ba'azara. Perhaps. Answers the Gemara, it comes along Rabba, the way we'll understand the Gemara. Rabba ex- on, accepts this to be a refutation. There cannot be a Gzayr So back to the question, from where did Rabbi Shmuel know that the earthenware utensil that's used by Yasoito, why does it have to be brand new? So Amar Kra, since the Torah says the words by the Saita, Bichli Chores. Interesting, the Gemara is changing the Sin and a Samach, because in the Chumash, it's written, which means Let's read the Rashi Mamash to the left side The Kali that I already spoke to you about This is how Rabbah understands it Since it doesn't say That the coin takes a Kli And what does the Torah say? The Torah says, In other words, the order is inverted. The, the better way should have been writing it the way Rabbi understands. What does it say? In the, in the known. It implies that Hashem is telling you, use the utensil that I already spoke about. Now, which utensil did Hashem already speak about? Also by the Metzayda. In other words, according to Rabba, you learn the din of a new keli from the Metzayda, but not through a Gzayda Shava, but by, by an inversion of the Seder Hapasik, which implies that the Torah is telling you that in the keli that I already mentioned to you, which is the same type of keli by the Metzayda, back inside the Gemara. Now, says Rava, okay, now that we explained Rabbi Yishmol, our Tana doesn't hold it has to be brand new. Our Tana holds it can be any keli, even if it's not brand new. However, says Rava, even our Tana, when can you use even a used klicheres, even a used piyole shalcheres, only if it's not blackened from, you know, when you singe it on fire, when you cook things in a klicheres, it becomes blackened. Once it becomes so overused that it's fashvarzt, avol nisak mupanov, then it's already psulim. Why? My After all, the Torah says you put waters in the keli. It has to be similar to the water. Just like waters are not kosher if they change their colors. And by the way, these are halachas that we have today also by Natila Sudaim. There's a certain point where if waters become tainted because of a foreign substance, then those waters are not kosher. And on this asks Rava, Nisakmu, if the, the keli became blackened. Because let's say people used it previously to cook something on fire with it. So the fire singed the keli. And now, the kahanim took those keli and they put it back in the kiln. And when the slabnu and it became whitened, mahu. And this is a very general question that we have throughout Shaz. The concept of kiven shehitche hitche, or kiven the hadr hadr. Since there was a point in time when this keli was no longer valid, so it's not valid now, the big chiddush here. Because normally, let's give an example, when it comes to tumah, or let's, when you put something in a kiln by other dinei Torah, sometimes we consider it as if you have a brand new keli coming out. Because you put it back in the same source that made it initially. Here we're suggesting that if you hold up the logic that once something was rejected, it's a reject, even if you put it back in a kiln, there's no way back. Or perhaps, given the hadur, 
it returned to its original whiteness. So how did it, maybe it return to its original state of kashrus? So Tashima, either Rabbi Elazar or the Masayda Sashas brings that this is a b'raisa in the name of Rabbi Eliezer Oimer, that eats it is back to the Masayra, that when they use a, a cedar wood, or the Ezoif, or a Shni Toilas, all, all three of them, if Shehifshil Bahem Kupasala Achayrov, if prior to it being used in the ritual of the purification of the Metzayrah, if someone used it to, to help them carry their luggage, so they had a peckle, they had a, something heavy, and they threw it over their back, and when something is over your back, how are you holding it? You have like a rope. So if they used either of these three, or all of those three, as a rope to help you carry your kupa, they become puzzle. Now, says Rashi, if you want to look inside Rashi, if you see, it's around seven lines from the bottom of the narrow lines. Very important, Rashi. What's the proof from that? Shehiv shul kupasi l'achariv let's turn Rashi inside. Me, the loikatani, why didn't Rabbi Eliezer say that if you made malacha with it, if those articles were used to do any work, the Braisa could have said puzzle. The Braisa doesn't say it. The Braisa gives a specific example. If it was used to help you carry a load that was behind your back, why did it use that example? Shmami law, that amalacha like kapit. The issue is not whether it was used before or not. You know what the issue is? Ashinuye kapit. When you, when you have a rope that I'm holding in the front of me and my peckle is in the back of me, that means that the rope takes a bent form. So it's changed from its original form. That is the issue. So the Braise is not telling you that you cannot use it for anything else other than for the mitzvah. We don't care. We don't want it to, to have its original form changed. Now all of these strings, all of these strings, even if they change their original form, so they, naturally the cedar would go straight. But if I took a little piece of cedar wood and I connected it to my peckle, to my luggage. Now it's bent. I can rebend it. Nevertheless, the Braisa across the board says puzzle. So that should be a raya that once something changed its form, even if it can come back, given the, the words here, given the itchu itchu. So the Gemara says it's not a proof. Let's read it. You can rebend it back. So that proves that even though you can bring it back, it's not good. Answers the Gemara Nish. Hasam over there. You know why the Braises says across the board they're not good? Because the ikluf iklufe. Because they peel. In other words, there they mamish changed. And you cannot bring it back. But when it comes to this piole, maybe you are able to use it once it came back to its original state. And the Gemara leaves this question here open-ended. Let's go write it in the Gemara. So we're quoting the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Nichnas That he went into the Hechel and he turned to his right. My timer, why did he turn to his right? Ha, you know why he turned to his right? Because the, the marble slate that was removable was to his right. Slab. The question is why, when we built the base Amigdash, did we put that slab to the right? Why not to the left? So the Amar Mar, because we learn, then we'll learn this many times together with Hashem Self, that called Pinoy Sha'atopayna, every time you take a turn, you should always turn to your right. You have no idea how practical and how many halachas we have today that are also based on this principle. Let's begin. Neiris Chanukah. Neiris Chanukah, we paskin mahadrin mina mahadrin, right? And like Basilil, which means every day we're adding another candle. Now, what's the seder? The seder is, by us, is that, let's say, the first night you light it all the way to the right of the menorah. 
The sec to the right. The second night, you're going to put two candles. But which one do you light first? Not the one all the way to the right. You're going to light the new one. So when you're going from the new one to the other one, which way are you going towards? Going towards the right. That's because of this. There's a machlekes on that, but we paskin that that's the way we do it. Because kol pina sha'ata plena. Another example. If a person is called up to an aliyah and the Torah. It doesn't really answer the question. Why? It's a rule. Uh, that would be very good. In other words, chesed has to take precedent over gevurah. That will be the, the, the real reason behind it. But let's go. If a person is called for an aliyah today. Now, firstly, when it comes to a safer Torah, because of Kaveda Torah, and because of Tircha de Tzibura, if the quickest way to the bima is not towards the right, we say, go the quickest way to the bima. But if a person will be in a position that either going to the right or to the left is all the same, we always go to the right. When the Sefer Torah is taken out of the Aron Kodesh and brought to the bima, they always go to the right. And then when the person who made Hagber, Galila, Bayasa Hagber, when they take it back, they go then towards the right. The Rebbe, we saw him davening by Boi Vishalim on, 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 uh, on the Friday night. So we, here in this part of the world, we face, everyone faces towards Yerushalayim. But that means here in America, we're facing towards the east, towards Yerushalayim. But when we say that part of L'Chodoidi, we face towards sunset. Parenthetically, when I lived in Hong Kong, that was the whole question. There we daven to begin with towards the west. Do you turn around? But here for sure we turn around towards the setting of the sun. So how do you turn around? So the Rebbe always, let's say, if I would be facing this way, it, it, you have to know what the right means. Which way is to the right? So I'm telling you right now that the left turn makes the smaller circle. It's the right turn. The Rebbe would turn, no, it's, uh, push it here, it's hard to, I don't want to stand up, but here the Oran Kodesh is right behind me. So if I would be facing the Oran Kodesh, I would, I would go like this. Counterclockwise? I would, tur I would turn counterclockwise, very good. In other words, you can argue, it's what I'm, because that's called the right. One second, you got that? I, I, don't, mind, I, I don't know if it's going to come out on the... Oh, it's, I, I, I'm going this way. Turning this way is called, and both ways. Did I ever turn this way? And then he turned back facing the front. That's called to the right. More than that, even though that we in Moshe Kodesh, we write from the right to the left, but every letter, think about how a letter is written in the Sefer Torah. Left to right. All of the letters start with the kites of the Yud on the top left. It's just bad, I'm going here, it's the opposite for the audience. But when you think about it, when I'm writing an Aleph, when I'm writing a base, I'm going from the left to the right. That's a rule in Yiddishkeit. Right, on the jacket, the right, over the left. Everything is right. Chesed, we need to have a balance. You have to have Gevura, but Chesed should be stronger than Gevura. More kind, more kind. You know you're not. You have to know how to, how, to, how, to, how to think of it. That's the way it is. Right. Now, let's start learning this whole B'raiso. It says in the Pasuk, again, it says, We had that, the Reisha. Then the Parsha continues, look at this. There it says, That is the Pasuk. In so in Nasai, in the parsha of Saitam. So says the Braith, Umin Hafar Asher Yihiya. 
the words Asher Yeh are extra. The Torah could have written that Umin Ha'afar, Bakarka HaMishkan, Yikach HaKoyen. Why did the Torah have to write, write Umin Ha'afar, Asher, that is? What's the that is? You know what that is implies? As long as it is in the airspace of the Beis HaMikdash, it could be good enough. So from those words, Yachol, Yitakin, Bibachutz, Viyachnes, that all you need to do is take some earth from anywhere. And it has to be in the place of the Azara, in the place of the Mishkan, and you're good, and put it in the cup. So that's why the Torah writes, Bakar Kaha Mishkan, it has to come from the ground. Now on the other hand, Ibakar Kaha Mishkan, if the Torah is emphasizing Bakar Kaha Mishkan, what would happen if when you pick up the slab, there is no earth that's easily available, because it was all compressed onto the ground. Now, Take a spade, take a shovel. So Yochel, you would think that you have to take a dafka from there. And even even if you have to dig it out with a shovel. And by the way, there are many Rishonim, including the Ramam that hold, that digging with a shovel in any place of the Azara's Asur. So you would think you would have to dig it out with a shovel. And we, we talk, don't do that. So that's why Hashem added the extra words, Asher to teach you that as long as it is there, it's good. But it says, If you have earth easily available under that slab, take it from there. But if you don't have earth, you don't have to dig it out. Bring it there. So you took earth from anywhere. There's no restrictions in digging outside the Makam of the Beis Amigdash. Put it over there. For an instant, so now this earth is Bekarka HaMishkan, and take it from there and put it in the cup. That is the first Braisa. No, it's this Braisa holds that it has to be on the Karka for an instant. Comes along the Gemara, I'll tell you even better. There's another Braisa that says, From the words Asheriyah, that is, those are the main words. And that teaches you that even if it was not placed on the ground, it only has to enter the airspace of the Beis Hamikdash. I, the Torah says the words Karka Hamishkan. That doesn't mean it has to go on the Karka. It means something else. And there's a machlekes tanoim what that comes to teach you. Isi ben Yehuda says lohavi Karka Shiloi Noiv Vigivaynu Beis so let's read the Gemara now before we go back to the Rashi. So like this, we have the Mishkan of Moshe Rabbeinu. And don't forget that in Parsha Saita, the Torah says the words, Ashi Yebekarka HaMishkan. Now when we entered with Yeshua into Eretz Yisrael for the first 14 years in Gilgal, the exact Mishkan that Moshe Rabbeinu built, that was made to travel with, was assembled in Gilgal for 14 years. But after those 14 years, the Mishkan was then built in Shiloh. It stood in Shiloh for 369. It's easy to remember, 333, 369 years in Shiloh. During that time, even though the roof was still made out of the Yeriyos, out of the curtains, out of the animal hides, but the walls in Shiloh were already made out of stone. So it wasn't such a Mishkan. It wasn't that movable. Now, after Shiloh was destroyed, together connected to the, we lost for a period of time, the Aron Kaidish. The Mishkan then stood for the next 52 years in Noiv and in Givoin. Now in, in Noiv and in Givoin, we went back to having all of the Mishkan of Moshe. It was completely portable, including the walls, but there was no Aron Kaidish. And then when we came to Yerushalayim, ultimately that's where we had Dovar Yerushalayim, we built the Beis Amigdash. Now, because the Pelishtim took it. That's the whole story. So now the, if you would have thought, this is without Rashi, that when 
does the parsha of the Saita work? When does the whole procedure work? When you can take the earth from the ground of the Mishkan. And if you don't have a Mishkan, where didn't we have a Mishkan? You can think, Shilabi had no Mishkan because the walls were not uh, movable. Not even given, we didn't have a Kodesh HaKadosh. We didn't have the Aron Kodesh. In the Beis HaMikdash, it's for sure not a Mishkan. It's not a movable. So you would think that then there was no, there's, no, there's no way of going through the procedure. So the Torah added the extra words to include Shiloh, not even given, that's this Gersa. Comes along Rashi and he says it can't be correct. Why can't it be correct? Because on one hand, Shiloi, why would we need an extra word to include Shiloi when the Torah in Nach calls Shiloi a Mishkan? So it's automatically included in the Mishkan. And Rashi says, and in Naiv and in Givoin, you could not have done Saita. Because since there was no Oiran Kaidish, therefore the, the status of the Mizbeach wasn't a real Mizbeach, it only had a status of a Bama. And Vein Kanamakam, we'll speak this out many times. The whole concept of Obama, when was Obama permissible? In the Mishkan, it was prohibited. In Gilgal, how to, whenever we had a permanent, it was Asr. In Shiloh, it was Asr. And even given it was Mutan. And then from when we built a Besamikdash, Obama is Asr. So Rashi holds that in not even given do, you couldn't have done a Saita. So you can't have this Girsa. So according to Rashi, what Isi ben Yehud is saying, only Besamikdash. That the reason why Hashem added the words Karka Mishkan is to teach you that even in the Beis Hamikdash you can do the procedure by adding words Karka Mishkan. It's ironic because Mishkan Luchayda can mean to exclude the Beis Hamikdash. It comes to include the Beis Hamikdash, but you don't have to put the earth on the ground. Isi then Menachem says, I don't even need the extra words to include the Beis Hamikdash because when it comes to the prohibition of entering the Temple Betuma. And it's called a light sin. It's all relative. What's the punishment of entering the place of the Beis Hamikdash Betuma? God forbid, Kadis. But it's not capital punishment. Now, the Isra of entering the Makim Hamikdash Betuma isn't only in the Mishkan. It's equal in the Mishkan, it's equal in Shiloi, and in Noiv, and in Given, and the Beis Elamim. And we always get the same punishment of Kadis. In other words, that place doesn't tolerate Tuma. That place expels Tuma. If you enter there, Betuma, you are violating the Kedusha, and there's a punishment of Kodesh, and Lechalaka Kosov. So therefore, Tumas Eishas Ish, what's the whole point of Saita? That once you, the earth of the temple is so holy, that it expels people who commit adultery. It kills them. So of course, the earth of the Beis Hamikdash should work just as much as the earth of the Mishkan. Because that is a sin, which is a sin that's Hamura. Why is it Hamura? Because for committing adultery with Edom and Hasra, there's a theory, there's a possibility of capital punishment. Is like Kolchchen that it should work. So we don't even need extra words to tell you that the Parsha Saita could work in the Mbesa Migdash. Why should go in? Oh, no, no, that's not why she allowed to go in. Is that if she sinned, she's going to get expelled from this world. It's just to tell you that the husband should not bring earth from his house. In those days, all of the floors were earthen floors. And when there were certain spills, today when something spills, today there's all sorts of shmatas to clean it. You know what they did then? They covered it with earth. So people had earth. So the Torah is saying, you husband, you come to the base of Mikdash with your wife. Don't bring your earth. It should come from here. But according to the second Braisa, it does not need to actually come from the physical Karka HaMishkan, and we'll leave off with this Machlaikas Tanoim. Emir Tashem to be continued.